All right, welcome everyone back to Telecom Radio One. We are continuing our series dissecting popular IT nerds. And today we've got a great nerd on the show, Paul Olson. Paul's coming from Krangle Technologies. And we're going to be getting real niche here in a moment. We're going to niche down. We're going to talk about IBM today. We're going to talk about all of you that may still have uh, old AS400 sitting around, uh, anything in iSeries. And we're going to talk about what you can do uh, to modernize, migrate things to the cloud, and keep all of this uh, wonderful technology that you've been running for years anyways in the, uh, well, really the, the heart of your business if you're running AS400s. So, Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks, Phil. Pleasure to be on. So, just just to start off, I've been asking this question lately. It's just a fun question. Did you, what, what, well, let, let me ask you this. What was your first computer ever? Yeah. So my first computer was kind of a family computer and it was a Macintosh 2, um, which at the time, the big functionality that I remember just being blown away by was able to record our voices and then uh, play that back. Did you have the two floppy drives? Because I remember we did. Two- all right, two. Yes. You, guys, you guys are really, you guys are really up to date there. Then, or, or really, you really spent the money if you had the t- double drives. Um, oh, do you remember any? Like, were you playing Oregon Trail on that? Could you play? Oregon oh yeah, Trail? every no. kid did, man. That was okay. that was the thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> and what about Logo? Do you remember Logo? That was. Oh, like I do. Yes, I had a couple of buddies that were really into it, but I kind of stuck to Oregon Trail. That was the thing I knew well, you know? <laughs> I don't really even know what we did with Logo other than make the little like arrow or turtle or whatever they called it go like a thousand times a diagonal across the screen. <laughs> it would be like right 90. Uh, anyways, um, so awesome. Give me, a little bit of, uh, give me a little bit of your background. So we have Apple II, but how'd you get to where you are today? Um, did you decide that, you know, hey, I always want to be in technology, I always want to do this, or did, or did mm-hmm. something happen to you in your life? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So in general, I think I've always had a passion for technology, um, and specifically around computers. I remember even in middle school and high school thinking, you know, I want to do something long-time career-wise uh, with computers. And that kind of morphed. Uh, when I went to college, I was actually a math major. Um, I was planning on going to secondary uh, math education and um, didn't love that. And uh, anyway, long story short, jumped in with a company. Um, I'm kind of doing some cross-promotion here uh, called Workiva. It was actually called Web Filings at the time, Basically out of Ames, Iowa. Um, and it was financial reporting software specifically. Um, ended up in their uh, solutions architecture department and kind of from a user experience side was making sure that we were taking on and tackling um, these different use cases uh, outside of what the original software was designed to do. Um, from there, uh, moved up to Minnesota with my family and uh, from there kind of necessitated a job change as well. My, we actually moved up for my wife's job. Uh, started looking around and ended up at Kringle Technology. Uh, they are on the IBMI platform, which is different from the software company I was working on. But one thing is that I was excited about jumping into was uh, how centric these IBMI systems were to business. Um, if you look at the core of most businesses, they are running off of sometimes referred to an, of, as an AS400 um, or I-series now is what they're referred to. Um, that's really the heart of their business. So if you're talking about a distribution company, a financial company, more times than not, uh, if you look beneath the covers, they're running on an IBMI system. And so 
kind of took some of the things that I had learned um, from this financial reporting software into this industry um, and kind of launched from there. So yeah, that's a little bit about me and, and my background and how I ended up where I'm at. Sounds great. So, and, and that's why you're here today so that we can talk IBM because yeah. when, we, when we talk about migrating applications to the cloud or, or, you know, a lot of people are going to look at that IT director, CTO, CIOs are going to look at that and say, yes, that's, that's great for small business and running smaller applications in the cloud. But I mean, look what we have. We've got this large manufacturing facility. We've been running our ERP system or whatever it is, you know, like you said, we were talking earlier about, you know, just printing labels and, and doing inventory in the warehouse and stuff like Correct. that. And we're, we're running this on these AS400s. Maybe they've upgraded by now, but is it really realistic or is it even realistic to think that we're going to move this technology to the cloud? Yeah. So that's a great question. I'm going to give a little bit of context as far as what we do at Kringle Tech um, first. So um, what uh, we kind of offer, we have three main product lines. Our biggest one is our RPG XML suite, which is really a product for web developers to be able to process, consume, um, and offer web services around uh, XML and also JSON. Um, our second one, which we'll focus on more today, is called Litmus Spaces. And if you're in the IBMI community, you've probably heard of us before. Um, and where our niche is, is offering an easy on-ramp to the cloud. So specifically for developers that are looking to have smaller testing environments at not a huge cost. Because a lot of times, if you're a business and reaching out um, to IBM and maybe you have an AS400 or iSeries on site that you're managing and maintaining, that's a big purchase and a big investment. And one of the nice things about the IBMI platform is they are tanks. They don't break down. They last forever. And something that is just crazy cool about this particular platform compared to others is they're backwards compatible. I've talked with customers that literally have programs that were written before I was born, and they're still being used in production today. That's insane to think about in our modern day technology, but that should tell you how these things were built to last and they don't go anywhere. Now, because of that big cost, it can be a little, um, let's say, intimidating to jump to the cloud and say, do we want to really move everything over? And so, again, Litmus Spaces is that on-ramp to say, all right, we'll take a very small system at a monthly cost that has no startup fee whatsoever that you're able to jump on do a testing of, let's say, a new program or a new uh, language, for example. Um, our biggest customer base are really those developers that are trying to test out new languages. So Node.js, Ruby, for example, um, to build some of these programs in a space that they know is theirs, no one else is going to touch, um, and they have complete control over. Hmm. That, the price tag that you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, why was IBM making servers that lasted so long didn't break <laughs> and were unhackable. Yeah, so, I mean, really, um, <laughs> it, it speaks to... This goes against, this goes against uh, what, what I, I would think like all normal, or all normal marketing department's ideas. And, well, uh, and I, don't, I don't mean to throw Apple on the bus. I, I have <laughs> an iPhone, a Mac, like I, I'm all about Apple's products. That being said, they're kind of built to last two, maybe five years max. And then from there, it's kind of understood you need to buy something else because <laughs> yep. it's going to be outdated, which is fine. And that's a typical business model. And so what IBM does, and I've, I've heard um, a lot of their kind of keynote speakers talk about this, is that really it was almost a bad business model. <laughs> the saying, hey, uh, we're going to build something that you'll never need to replace um, or last a really long time. 
that being said, um, that's a huge selling point that when you buy something, this is going to be a core uh, capital purchase that's going to last for years for you that is backwards compatible. So as you're modernizing, you don't have to worry about breaking things um, that uh, you made previously. Um, one of the things that we're seeing kind of industry-wide, which is really interesting, is a lot of these uh, programmers are starting to reach retirement age. And as they do, these companies or organizations aren't necessarily replacing these developers. They're just throwing it over to the IT team and saying, well, these things are built to last. Seems to be going smooth. You guys can handle it, right? (laughs) And what's happening, though, is a lot of that knowledge is also being retired out and not being transferred to the rest of the IT department because they don't have all the training or knowledge or just business knowledge um, that's needed. Another kind of aside is that these developers that are coming out of these technical colleges um, aren't having business courses, typically. Um, For whatever reason, it's very technical in nature, but they're not taught the really core business knowledge that's needed to run these environments. So talk, so... Yeah, go ahead, sorry. I'm getting off on a tangent. (laughs) No, 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 that's great. That's actually really, really good. Just can can you bridge the gap there? Like, so... Yeah, for sure. So that's one thing that um, we're really passionate about and as actually... Well, no, I mean, I want to go back to, I want to go back to the the business college thing. Yeah, yeah. I want to go back to, so like just paint the picture a little bit clearer. Are you saying Mm -hmm. we're ending up with technical folks but with no business acumen skills and why do they need those business acumen skills or what's the just a little bit more clarity on that piece there yeah so um long story short yes they they are coming out of these schools without the business knowledge that their predecessors had and why Um, do they and what is that particular business knowledge that they need to be successful in this particular environment here where we've got old uh, you know, IBM infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of times that's um, how typically does a distribution company operate? How typically does a financial institution operate? Because um, a lot of these programs that they're working on were built specifically to handle that core business. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm being fairly uh, generic, but in essence, what they're taught is the actual coding themselves, how to read it, but not necessarily the, the business logic behind it, if hmm. that makes sense. And hmm. so as these guys are retiring out, um, these new guns that are coming in uh, are, are needing some help along the way. And so what's great about IBM and the IBM I industry is we, there, there are resources available. Um, and I'm, this is kind of the third prong of what we do, which is consulting and modernization to help as bridge the gap, so to speak, as these uh, new developers are coming into the industry. Um, and part of that is then saying, okay, also, so, so learn your current environment, but you still have a lot to offer this company. You, you know these new languages that are probably going to modernize your environment. And if that's the case, then start testing that out on a um, smaller space like Litmus Spaces, where mm-hmm. you're able to bring to your superior, hey, how about we test the waters for this cloud-hosted uh, environment without moving everything over right now? Let's just try this out. You'll be able to see how it works. And then from there let's move forward to potentially fully cloud. It's where the industry is going in general. I mean, it's everyone used to have landlines, right? And now everyone has a cell phone in their pocket. It's mm. very similar to cloud-based. It's almost to the point where it's archaic to say, yeah, we manage and host our own system. 
why aren't you going cloud? Why aren't you going to a place that's going to have that entire production system for you? You don't have to worry about SOX controls or all the other regulations that are coming out specifically. Um, kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit, but it's a great way to test the waters before making the plunge into fully cloud hosted. Okay, so before we dig more, dig more into the testing piece, I'm really yeah. fascinated by these by these old school guys that are retiring and sitting yeah. sitting uh, in their house or or uh, on the ocean or their I don't know <laughs> boat somewhere fishing where they yeah. could be charging some ridiculous amount in consulting fees to help fix broken. Mm-hmm. Where are some of the mistakes? <clears throat> what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people making? So. Are, do people give up on IBM ever and just say, hey, we're going to migrate everything to this completely new infrastructure? And is that a big mistake? Because I can imagine that being one. So uh, what's, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Just, you know, maybe hit on the top, the top mistakes, challenges that you're seeing. I would say, and this is a very general statement, but when people, you'll, you'll hear a lot of people say, oh, this is archaic. We're getting off of uh, our IBM system. And then they try and then realize how many tentacles are attached to it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and how many other places this is actually tied to and eventually Mm -hmm. come to the understanding of actually, you know what, let's stay here and modernize because this is working for us. And we get back to how things were built to last. Nothing else compares to the longevity of an IBMI system. There's just, there's nothing else out there that's going to last that long, which means you're not having to recompile your code. You're not, with the backward compatibility, you're able to have confidence that what you are building is going to last long term, which gives your customers confidence in your business. So we, we have something that doesn't break, that lasts yeah. a long time. Yep. Uh, backwards, backwards compatible, that, um, yep. that blows my mind a little bit. So we've got blows backward, most people's minds. <laughs> yeah, we've got uh, backwards compatible and open some, some level of open source. Correct. Um, maybe, and I'm assuming that this, just the fact, the, the knowledge base alone, there must be some level of security there where it must be secure just due to lack of knowledge that most people have, but maybe just talk, is there any other, any other layers of security um, that we haven't touched on? Yeah, so I guess security in general, um, when you're managing your own on-prem system, you can control that pretty heavily. I guess the biggest question that I get when we're saying, hey, we're moving to the cloud, uh, what about firewalls? What about, like, how, how secure is this cloud-hosted environment? Um, what's nice is, you are able to control that firewall completely, at least with, with our environment and most out there. You have the keys completely. I mean, I, we, we have countless customers where we manage the hardware, but we can't access anything because they hold all the keys. And so really the onus is on you, but it shouldn't be any different than your current process as far as security is concerned. Um, yeah, the, everything's encrypted nowadays. As long as you're, you're, you're really having those controls in place in-house, it's no different than what you're currently doing for an on-prem system. I know it's a very general, very. Well, let's go. Uh, let's touch on a. Um, yep. Let's talk on, touch on a use case then, and if you can, uh, uh, can you think of a manufacturing example or a logistics example of some sort, specifically in that manufacturing space? Because we were talking about and label printing, and uh, quite frankly, I work with a lot of uh, mid-market companies that are in, manuf- in manufacturing. So if you've got a good example there, we can take it from start to finish and maybe kind of compare contrast. That would be great. Yeah. Um, so a specific use case, I guess, for a cloud-hosted environment. Um, 
Yeah, you you might have a label that needs to be printed, for example, um, for a particular order. Somebody's ordering something um, that then sends a ping to a warehouse of some kind that says, all right, I need to pull this off the shelf. I then need a label printed for it uh, that our packaging department's going to then put on that package and then ship it out. Um, that doesn't just happen automatically, right? Somebody has to write that out. Um, and from a security standpoint, that is all happening via your firewalls that you ha- are in control of. It's just a matter of the data uh, going to this offsite uh, location where a data center is, is, is hosted. Sure. Um, but that uh, communication back and forth, mm-hmm. the keys are all handled by your IT department specifically. I don't know if that answers your question specifically, but that's, that's at no, least... No, it does. It doesn't... I mean, yeah. Talking about the WAN and, and internet and all that stuff would be <clears throat> another conversation that I absolutely love talking about, but we're not going to go there right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking more, give me an example of like the, the, big, the big example. Like Someone comes to you, hey, we've, we've got these AS400s, we're thinking of mm-hmm. replacing them, and we're thinking of not replacing them, we're thinking of migrating to the cloud. What does that look like yep. with you guys? Okay, fair question. So typically, uh, it depends on, on their current environment. We, uh, hopefully some of your listeners will, will know what I'm talking about, but uh, I'm amazed by how many customers will come to us that are on an old AS400, and they were on um, <laughs> uh, 5.4, Specifically, so that's that's an operating system number. Um, so five, just to compare that, uh, IBM. This is pretty hot news. Just released uh, or announced rather that they are releasing version seven point four. So to go all the way back to five four to now be like this is where we're at seven four. Um, and by the way, IBM stopped support on anything older seven one or older. And some of these companies are still hosting their production systems on five four is insane to me. But they can still do it because again they were built to last. Now if something happens, you don't have support from IBM, but that's where they were hosted. So in that case specifically, because we have a lot of those, we'll say okay, um, you send us your tapes specifically. So just duplicate and replicate everything you have and, and mail those to us. From there, we'll actually do the conversion for you from 5.4 to 7.3 because that's the up, most up-to-date um, version. Sometimes that's 7.2 depending on um, what you're trying to do backwards compatibility-wise. And then from there, we'll, we'll do what's called a slip upgrade. Again, we'll migrate that to 7.2, make sure everything that's working uh, properly. And then from there, once we're set and good to go, we say, all right, here's your credentials from logging in. And then you just basically flip the switch and now your production system is run on that cloud-hosted environment. Um, it's a way to modernize your current system without having a huge cap cost of buying a completely new system. Um, another example for that, if you're trying to test the waters, would be a developer says, hey, I actually just want a smaller environment. Um, for us, we've made that process super, super easy. You can actually go to our website, www.litmis.com. That's L-I-T-M-I-S.com. Um, and specifically there, you can see exactly what your cost breakdown would be for a smaller machine. Typically, the smallest partition that we have is 480 CPW. I'm sure some of your listeners, listeners will know what I'm talking about. Uh, two gigs of RAM, 250 gigs of disk. And from there, that's enough to have a small enough sandbox environment to play around with. Um, you hit accept. Two days later, we give you credentials that have full QSEC offer authority, which is absolutely mind-blowing, um, with uh, a month-to-month commitment. And then you, we, we have a lot of customers that they'll do a testing environment for about six months. Um, and then from there, uh, say, all right, I'm done with the system. You turn it off, and we wait for the next person that needs it. Awesome. So, so very easy to do a, a 
a proof of concept, a safe, uh, not, not overwhelming, uh, migration. Yep. Without a huge cash influx to make sure it's going to work. Yep. Uh, Okay. Awesome. Um, what else you got? What, What are we, what are we forgetting here? Yeah. So, um, I guess my, uh, charge out there would be, all right, if you're waiting to go cloud, uh, a lot of times this is timing, right? If someone just bought a system like three years ago, you're going to want to wait until, all right, we're, we're ready to move. And so the, the biggest thing that I hear is a matter of timing. So, all right, let's figure out a time that works for you, um, to move over to a cloud environment. There, there are a multitude of vendors in the IBM MySpace that have cloud hosted uh, spaces available. For us, again, our big niche is that smaller, hey, let's test the waters, or for a developer that is wanting um, to try out a newer language or um, compile code that they're working on, they don't necessarily want in their production or even testing box on their in, in their company specifically. Um, so that's, that's my biggest charge is uh, give us a look um, for sure to test it out. And I, I'd love to talk further to anybody else who's interested or has very specific questions. Awesome. So we're going to do just that. So anyone, uh, I asked Paul to, to, to give away something on the show. So what we're going to do mm-hmm. is a free uh, one hour. So free one hour, one-on-one consultation right. uh, directly with Paul um, and myself, if you really want me there as well, because I can help with uh, fiber optic internet, uh, the WAN, the connection to data center, stuff like that, speeding up uh, network, uh, network in the cloud, at least, at least between locations also. Uh, eliminating MPLS. If any of you are still paying uh, drastic amounts for MPLS, we can we can help with that as well. So we're going to do a free sixty minute one on one consultation. Uh, you can go to you know to to kranglecheck.com. You can reach out to me uh, via LinkedIn. Uh, very easy to find me on LinkedIn as well. Just just search the most bearded man and telecom on LinkedIn, <laughs> the most bearded man in telecom on LinkedIn, uh, message me. We'll give you that free one-on-one. Uh, we can, uh, I have a calendar set up for this and, uh, uh, Paul is very happy to sit down and talk with you guys for an hour. Um, no cost. He does this all day, every day, every single day. And, uh, we'll go from there. Paul, it's been great talk with you, man. Thank you so much for being on the show. Likewise, Phil. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. <laughs>